0: Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, open them to the book of Hebrews. We're going to be looking at chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And thank you to Cliff and to our singers and instruments this morning. We appreciate you guys very much. Today, I want to speak to you on a topic that is relevant to every person in this room, perhaps especially relevant in the times in which we live, and that is the topic of rest. In case you haven't noticed, people are tired. Who can identify with that this morning? I'm tired. Or as we say in the hills, I'm tired. I'm tired. And not just the normal exhaustion that comes with work and life, but people are emotionally and spiritually drained right now. People are weary. And COVID-19 isn't the only cause of this, but it's no doubt a major factor. For many of us, it's changed our routine. It's changed our job. It's changed our church life. It has frequently brought extra stress upon marriages and families, not to mention those who have been sick and have experienced the loss of loved ones due to this virus. And then you throw in the political turmoil of recent months and all the anger and division in our nation, which has affected relationships between family and friends, and it's just been a tough time. Many people are tired We need and we yearn for rest. Now, in considering this topic, a quotation from a well-known movie from a few years ago comes to mind, and I'll just start by saying I've not seen the movie, but I've seen the video clip of this quotation a couple times, and it's always struck me as poignant and powerful. To set the scene, this giant of a man is in tears, and he says, I'm tired, boss, I'm tired of being on the ro- road lonely as a sparrow in the rain. I'm tired of never having me a buddy to be with, to tell me where we's going to, or coming from, or why. Mostly, I'm just tired of people being ugly to each other. I'm tired of all the pain I feel and hear in the world every day. There's too much of it. It's like pieces of glass in my head all the time. Can you understand? And I would say a lot of us in this room... Can understand. We can relate to that character. But here's the good news this morning there is a promise of rest to those who believe in Jesus. Are you tired today? Are you weary? Then this message is for you because we're going to talk about the rest that only Jesus can provide. And to do that, we're going to look at a passage from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. We continue to make our way through this book, and last week at the end of chapter 3, we discussed how an entire generation of Israelites, way back in the days of Moses, were not allowed to enter God's rest, which in their case was the promised land. And they were not allowed to enter God's rest because of their disobedience and because of their unbelief. And we talked about how we don't want that to be true of us. May it never be said of us that we were an unfaithful generation, that we missed out on God's rest because of a heart of unbelief. And in our case, God's rest is salvation through Jesus Christ. Rather, may it be said of each of us that by the grace of God, we did put our faith in Jesus, that we did believe in him and surrender to his lordship. And because of that, we were able to enter into his rest. I pray that statement is true for every person in this room. Well, let's turn our attention now to chapter four as we build on these truths and continue to discuss the rest for our souls that only God can provide. In the 10 verses we'll look at today, the word rest in the New King James is used eight times. It's clearly the focal point of this passage. So in today's sermon, if you're a note taker, I'm going to summarize this text in four statements pertaining to rest. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will use this passage this morning to encourage us and to challenge us to find our rest in Jesus Christ. So let's begin by looking at verses one through the first part of verse three, chapter four. Here's what it says. Therefore... Since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And we're going to pause right there. All right, here's the first statement. That summarizes these verses we just read. Rest is available to us who believe the gospel. However, be careful that you don't end up like the rebellious Israelites who did not enter God's rest because of their lack of faith. The writer of Hebrews says in verse 1 that a promise remains of entering God's rest. His point is that God's rest wasn't just something promised to the Israelites way back in the Old Testament. It's something that's promised to us today who are followers of Jesus Christ. That promise of rest remains. And that's great news because as we've established, we need God's rest. But this promise comes with a word of warning as well. It says, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. And here again, we see this notion that keeps popping up in this book that we must not take our salvation for granted. That we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling, as it says in Philippians 2. That we must constantly be evaluating our own heart and verifying that our salvation is real and that we are not falling short. And here's the key. Just because you make a practice of hearing the gospel preached doesn't necessarily mean that your salvation is real. Verse 2 says that even the rebellious Israelites had the good news preached to them. They heard it, but verse 2 says it didn't profit them. It didn't do them any good. Why? Because the word which they heard was not mixed with faith. In other words, the Israelites knew what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to enter the promised land as God had commanded but they didn't have the faith in God to actually follow through and obey his command. The point is that we can fall into the same error if we're not careful. It's not enough just to hear the gospel preached. We must respond to it. For instance, merely coming to church and sitting through sermons is not enough to enter God's rest merely being born into a Christian family where you constantly hear your parents and grandparents speak of the Lord is not enough to enter God's rest. Again, it's not enough to merely hear the gospel. We must respond to the gospel in faith. In other words, there must come a point in time when we call on the name of the Lord and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. Please save me. And you know what the Bible says? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus will save you if you call out to him in faith. But here's the key. In order to enter his rest, you must believe. That's what verse 3 tells us. For we who have believed do enter that rest. You must put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you can do that anytime and anywhere. And when you do, God will hear you and he will save you. And he will bring you into his rest. On the other hand, if we do not believe the gospel, we, like the rebellious Israelites mentioned in this passage, will not enter God's rest. As it also tells us in verse 3. All right, let's keep reading now. The second part of verse three through verse five. Tough section of verses here, but we'll try to make sense of them. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. All right, here's the second statement summarizing this section of verses. Just as God rested after creating the world, he provides rest for us. This rest is foreshadowed in the principle of Sabbath. All right, let's break that down and talk about it a little bit. The end of verse three speaks of works that were finished from the foundation of the world. Judging from context, what works is it speaking of? Well, most likely it's speaking of God's work in creation. We know that God created the world in six days and then he did what on the seventh? Verse four tells us, quoting from Genesis two, he rested on the seventh day from all his works. Now these verses, as we alluded to, are a little tricky to interpret, but the gist of what the writer of Hebrews seems to be saying here is that God has provided an eternal rest for his people and that by observing a day of rest, we get a little taste, we get a little preview of that eternal rest. As we said, God modeled rest in the creation of the world, resting on the seventh day. Then over 2,000 years later, this principle of rest was codified into law in the form of the Ten Commandments, with the fourth commandment instructing the Israelites to honor the Sabbath day, the last day of the week, And keep it holy, just as God worked six days and rested on the seventh. And while we as New Testament Christians are no longer bound to the letter of the law, and thus no longer strictly adhere to Old Testament Sabbath rules and regulations, we still observe the principle of Sabbath by setting aside the first day of the week, the day of our Lord's resurrection as a day of worship and rest. And so here's what that means to us today. Every time that we observe a day of rest, every time that we observe the principle of Sabbath, it serves as a reminder to us and a foreshadow of the ultimate rest that God gives us through Jesus Christ. Now, I will admit this is one of my soapboxes, but I think that one huge reason that oftentimes we are so tired and so weary and so spiritually exhausted is that we are not practicing the principle of Sabbath. We are not observing a true day of rest. When we make Sunday basically into a second Saturday just with church in the morning, that's not truly observing the principle of Sabbath. And I know we live in a culture and in a time we think we've just got to go, go, go. And so we do household chores on Sunday and we shop on Sunday. And even the school schedules events on Sunday. And sometimes, to be honest, I think the church can be guilty of scheduling too much on Sunday. Folks, our souls need worship and rest. And I would encourage you to protect the Lord's Day as best you can. Use it for worship and rest. Gather with the saints. Take a nap and don't feel guilty about it. Take a walk in God's creation. Do something special with your family. When we observe Sabbath rest, just as God did at the end of the creation week, it keeps us spiritually healthy and it foreshadows the ultimate rest that we will enjoy in the kingdom of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's keep reading and see what else we can learn about rest. Look at verses 6 and 7 now. Since, therefore, it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience, again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Here's statement number three. Here's how we summarize those verses. The rebellious Israelites did not enter God's rest, but there is still time for us if we act today. Verse six begins by saying that some must enter God's rest. As one has said, if God took the time to prepare his rest, you can be assured that he will see to it, there are some who enter in. God did not prepare a place of rest In vain, and we praise him for his sovereign grace. But then the writer reminds us that the people to whom the good news was first preached this is a reference to the Israelites in the wilderness again did not enter God's rest because of their disobedience. And basically, he's saying here it's too late for them. They had their chance, they had their window, and they missed it. God told them to enter the promised land, and they refused. So their corpses fell in the wilderness, and they never got to enter God's rest. But here's the good news. It's not too late for us. We can still learn from their mistake. We can still enter God's rest. We can still respond to the gospel by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. But here's the kicker. We need to do it today. Today. We've talked about this the last two Sundays. One theme we see in the book of Hebrews is this call for urgency. In verse 7, the writer of Hebrews quotes from Psalm 95 yet again, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. This is the third time that phrase is quoted in the span of just a few verses. And we know as students of the Bible, anytime we see something repeated, that means it's super important. We need to pay very close attention. Over and over, the writer of Hebrews is saying today, 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 if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. None of us know if we have tomorrow, and we can't afford to take that chance. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit has been calling you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, please don't put that off. Settle it today. Please don't miss out on entering God's rest. Now, our last set of verses for this morning is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. Let's read those. It says, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works, as God did from his. All right, here's the fourth and final statement this morning. Joshua eventually led Israel into God's rest, into the promised land. But this was not ultimate rest. Ultimate rest for the people of God is salvation through Jesus Christ. When the Israelites rebelled against God's command in the days of Moses and refused to enter the promised land, Their punishment was that they did not get to enter God's rest. As we've said, that generation, it died in the wilderness. However, we also know the next generation, led by Joshua, did get to enter the promised land. They did get to enter God's rest. But what verse 8 teaches us is that the rest God provided in the promised land was only a shadow. It was only temporary. The writer of Hebrews uses some logic in verse 8 to prove this point. And basically, he says, if the promised land was the ultimate rest, why would God still be speaking about his people entering his rest years later? For example, through King David in Psalm 95, hundreds of years later. Obviously, God's rest has to entail more than that little piece of ground in the Middle East that we call the promised land. There is only one conclusion. We see it in verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. In other words, the whole concept of entering God's rest didn't just apply to the Israelites in the wilderness. It applies to us, Christians, living in the New Testament era. Only our rest is not a particular place on earth. Our rest is found through salvation in Jesus Christ and spending eternity with him in heaven. Now, before we move on, I would like to point out one interesting little side note. Uh, For those of you reading the King James this morning, it doesn't say Joshua in verse 8, does it? It says Jesus. Why is that? Well, the book of Hebrews was originally written in Greek. The Jewish name Joshua in the Greek language actually becomes Jesus. So you can see how this might cause a little confusion in translation. However, most Bible scholars agree that this is indeed a reference in verse 8 to the Old Testament figure of Joshua and not a reference to our Lord. Of this little quirk, one scholar points out, the first Jesus, meaning Joshua, gave his people rest, but it was earthly and temporary. The second Jesus, Christ, gives his people rest that is heavenly and eternal. That's a neat thought, isn't it? Now, speaking of the eternal rest that God has prepared for his people, the Greek word translated as rest in verse 9 is different than the word used for rest seven other times in this passage. The word translated as rest in verse 9 is actually the word Sabbath. This verse could just as easily be translated, there remains therefore a Sabbath for the people of God. Well, This ties back to verse 4, doesn't it? Just as God rested from all his works on the seventh day, there is coming a day when he will grant eternal rest, eternal Sabbath to his people. Verse 10 says, in that day we will cease from our works, just as God ceased from his works on the last day of creation. Not only will we finally have rest, from our labors and troubles in this world, but we will also experience complete and utter spiritual rest in Jesus Christ. We will finally be home in a place where God will wipe away every tear from our eye. He'll say, son, daughter, come rest. Come rest. What a day that will be. Well, as we draw near to a close, I just want to admit, this has been a tough passage for me Uh, To prepare this week. And I pray I've explained it well and that God's used it to both challenge you and encourage you. But I want to conclude with three quick points of application, three simple truths to take with you from today's text. And we'll go through, through these quickly. Number one, we must believe in Jesus to experience God's rest. All of us are desperate for that rest. Our hearts and our souls, we need it. We yearn for it, but we will only experience God's rest, true rest, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Number two, God's rest is both a future hope and a present reality. And I want to make this point very clear. While we will not experience perfect rest until we're in the kingdom of heaven with Jesus himself, free from the very presence of sin— There is still a divine rest that we experience in our heart and in our soul even now when we follow Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. And he wasn't only talking about in heaven one day, he was talking about here and now. Number three, knowing that ultimate rest is coming empowers us to keep going. Let me explain what I mean by that. Ozark students and families in the room, what's in two weeks? Spring break. And my family, for spring break, we're going to go somewhere where it's just a little bit warmer than it is here. And we've been looking forward to that for a long time. I was thinking about that a few days ago when there was a minus 25 wind chill. Just keep going, just keep going, because spring break is coming. In like manner, knowing that we will one day enter God's eternal rest in heaven through faith in Jesus Christ motivates us to keep living for Him. Keep walking with Him. Keep serving Him in the here and now. Brothers and sisters, Sabbath rest is on the way for the people of God. So don't lose hope. Persevere in the faith. Hang on to Jesus and stay faithful. And you can do that by His grace. I'd like to ask the musicians if they would to come forward. And as they come, I just want to come back to that initial question that I asked this morning. Are you tired? Are you weary? Do you yearn for rest? Then come to Jesus. Only he can give you the rest that your soul longs for. And if you're ready to follow Jesus, I want to invite you to do something. I'm going to be standing here on the floor during this song. And if you're ready to follow Jesus and become a Christian, I'd just like you to walk to me And just let me know that and say, Josh, I want to follow Christ. I want to be a Christian. I'd be more than happy to lead you in a prayer of commitment to your life, to Jesus Christ. I suspect there are some here this morning who are Christians, but you're not closely walking with Christ. And as a result, you're not feeling his rest very much. Living for the flesh has left you tired and weary. And if that's you, I would say now is the time to come back to Jesus. Now is the time to confess your sins, to get right with him, and let him minister to your heart and to your soul. As the scripture says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. The Holy Spirit speaking to you today, we want to invite you to come as we stand and play. Let's stand right now, and we'll have our song of response this morning. What song are we going to sing, guys? Give thanks. All right.